This is Inside Berkeley, and I'm Leslie O'Connell. On this episode, we talk to Chantel Hampton and Alonzo Harris, faculty in Berkeley's ensemble department. In addition to Berkeley undergraduates, Hampton and Harris teach students in Berkeley's City Music program. Hampton came to Berkeley by way of City Music and earned her degree as a music business management major. She's also a recording artist, songwriter, vocal producer, vocal coach, and engineer. Harris works as a music director and producer, composer, recording artist, and performer. With their wide-ranging professional projects, Hampton and Harris are examples of the flexibility required of musicians today. With this in mind, they've created a prototype to teach performers the importance of harnessing technology. Thanks for being here, Chantal and Alonzo. Thanks for having us. So let's start out by talking about your experience with the City Music Program. For you, Chantel, that means coming to Berkeley as a City Music student and now teaching City Music students. How does that feel to come full circle? You know, it's it was really crazy even how I got here. I got here through um, being asked to uh, be a mentor for the City Music students. And so it brought me completely back to my sophomore year in high school when I actually became a City Music student. And um, man, it was it was out of the blue. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I actually met one of the members at uh, my family's church, introduced us to City Music and said I should come because he saw me teaching an adult choir. Um, parts and he's like I should I should come try out and see how it goes and see if I get in but there definitely is a spot for me here and um, it's been an experience because of what I wanted to gain I've been around nonprofits all my life my family had a nonprofit and they worked in the community so coming to City Music was just an extension of what I've grown up with um, but it introduced me a lot to the theory and the technical aspect of musicianship. Um, My dad's a musician, so I got a lot of like my skills in terms of production and all of that from him and being around studios all my life and growing up in that arena. But coming to Berkeley was a totally different world because now I was getting the, like I said, the theory behind it. So looking at that and seeing the progression of um, my information, my knowledge, and then seeing what I'm able to give back, I always stem from... um, the relationships and what I'm able to pour into students. And while I was here um, and started in the city music program, Winston McCool was like one of my first professors and um, his wife, Lynette Giddens was here at the time and they just took me under their wings and they really just mentored me and fostered me, not based on the whole group of city music, but based on what I needed specifically. And that helped me tremendously. So I try to do the same thing, teaching and giving back to the students that are here now. And Alonzo, for you, um, what does it mean for you to teach City Music students? How do you feel that connection? Well, uh, being that um, I was a, uh, I was from a small town. Uh, my story is a very small town in uh, the middle of nowhere, Georgia, by the name of Manchester, Georgia. Um, and coming up, music was my thing, but I didn't feel like the opportunities were at my, you know, fingertips uh, just because of where it was. Um, I had to go 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes to a movie theater. That's kind of how the town was set up. So to call anywhere was long distance. Uh, I don't want to date myself, but to call anywhere was long distance. (laughs) 
you know, um, all of the resources that we have now in terms of technology and so forth and the YouTubes and people to see me and hear me weren't really that, or they weren't in existence when I was really, really young. So being able to connect with a program such as City Music has been somewhat of a personal venture for me in that regard, being knowing my history and what wasn't available to me uh, and being that I have the opportunity now to share my experiences from a professional standpoint and education to kids that may not have those opportunities, even though they're not from as small city as mine. I heard a lot of the kids that I've met, they are from some places that are actually on the map, but <laughs> they, some of the opportunities aren't as, you know, right in their laps, if you will. So being that, that from my experience, I think that's the most rewarding part of it. You both teach students the importance of incorporating technology into performance. That can mean production, engineering, and recording techniques, and how it's critical to have a working knowledge of these aspects. Can you talk about your professional experience and how these tools have helped you to be more nimble and more diverse and able to take on jobs? Could you each give an example of the importance of this? Absolutely. I remember um, being in college. Um, it was probably like my sophomore year in college um, here at Berkeley, and I had gotten a call to from, uh, it was a, I forget what label it was exactly, but they needed some vocals done um, quickly, um, and they needed to turn around in like a day, and they heard of me through another um, management group that I was working with at, at the time and um, so information got across it like how are you going to record this can you come down and I couldn't get out of what I was doing previously so um, I was like yep I'll, I'll figure out a way to do it so I had my gear <laughs> I carried around um, a studio in my like suitcase but I had a microphone I had an interface um, and I actually set up a room in the dorms in the 150 building um, set up a practice room and I had because we couldn't I couldn't get studio time in this place um, in Berkeley at that time but I like got blankets everything I conditioned the room so that I could get a good enough sound to record the vocals but that and then I was able to record send out everything and that has positioned me um, to be able to get jobs doing that on a consistent basis. When something's needed, I can get the job done. I knew it was needed. I knew how to execute it and everything. And so that's, I'm more of a behind the scenes kind of person. I do rec I do sing and I do perform, but I like the aspect of being in the position to produce a result, an outcome behind the scenes. And so um, because of that experience, and, and because of that ability to be versatile in my approach, I, I, I teach my students and I talk to them and we try to instill that in them that it's important to know what you're doing. And so when somebody calls on you, you can be prepared to do that. And um, so, yeah, that's my one of my experiences. So what about you, Alonzo? Well, um, <clears throat> I'll start my uh my my segment here off with uh, this quote that I like to always say. Uh, preparation plus opportunity equals success. Mm -hmm. So, or opportunity plus preparation. Um, I remember I was 
about 13 years old. And I mentioned before I was a musician and so forth, and that was my outlet. As a kid, I just didn't have everything at my fingertips. I had an opportunity to be in a studio session um, with a producer who let me just sit in. And I, from that moment, I sat behind <clears throat> the computer where, you know, they were working on some tracks. I sat in the chair and said, and I knew in my head or in my mind, heart and soul, if you will, that this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. However, in whatever capacity that um, that may be, I didn't know to the extent of what it was then. I didn't know all of my chord scales then. I didn't know mm -hmm. <clears throat> everything, even though I had just kind of started playing the keyboard at that point because I was actually a drummer first. But um, But I knew that I wanted to create music or produce music in some way, in some fashion, right? So that was the exposure to the opportunity, right? Mm. So let's fast forward. Years later, I'm not going to say how many, but till about last year, um, I was, uh, I'm involved with, you said I'm a musical direct. So I have a few artists that I musical direct. A lot of them uh, right now are new artists. Um, one of my artists was booked to perform on Title X at Barclays uh, uh, Center in Brooklyn. Now, Title X is the concert that Jay-Z's Jay company um, put on. You know, right. he's behind the whole title thing. And there were various artists on this show from Beyonce to Jay-Z himself, Nicki Minaj. Uh, oh, God, I don't want to start calling names because there were so many. But those caliber of artists. Mm -hmm. So my artist was there, um, was booked um, because of the connection with Rock Nation and Title and so forth. So in that I was a musical director, I was called to put her segment together. Um, when they told me that, said, well, I want you to put this together, I said, okay, what if we had a meeting, creative meeting, we pulled in the creative director, and then we talked about how we're going to do visually and so forth and what the performance is going to be, what song we were going to do and how we wanted to do it. So they just left the musical part up to me, even though that was a musical director for the event. Uh, so when the musical director, I contacted the musical director, said, this is how I'm going to do it. You know, I have a house band, such and such, but can you put, you know, what you need to put together for your artists? And I said, absolutely. So whatever he needed, I was there to give him what he wanted. And part of that was the language we were using. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I did the arrangements. I sent it to him. And uh, I met back with the artist. The artist said, I want to add this to it. I said, oh, she wants to add this. She said, okay, well, send it to me. So the thing was, like, being able to fulfill what you're supposed to fulfill right. beyond just what people think that is. When you say musical director, people only think about music. music. And that's one thing that I like to get over to my students. It's not just the music or understanding. This is a major seven chord or this note or a walking bass line, but understanding what it is beyond just that. I said that in, in the beginning about the idea I had to, I knew I wanted to create music. So that led me to study everything surrounding that. that exactly. Being around, trying to put myself in position. And for both of you, it sounds like this flexibility, this ability to be nimble, really educating yourselves along the way has allowed you to say yes. Yes, and you have to be, you have to be, ready and flexible at all times in the position that especially as 
as entrepreneurs. It's this is our business. This is our brand. It's not that we're just waiting for somebody to give us a gig or call. You know, this is we've been able to develop and add on to what it is that we're able to offer. They're like services because we've taken the time to build the inventory, which is our skill and our ability to um, deliver. And that's administratively. There's been plenty of situations where I've had to sit down and write out budgets and plans and proposals. And I do that to this day, but I've had to gain that that ability to think outside of the box. I'm not just a singer. I'm not just a songwriter. I'm not, you know, that's what got me to where I am and those skills and that talent and working on that on a daily basis got me to an, in a position where now I have to think outside of the box to build my business. And how do you both translate these lessons in the classroom? I know you have a platform. It's going to serve as a prototype for other professors to teach this to their students. Can you tell me how you conceived of this idea and how you execute this? Well, um, as I mentioned before, I'm a practical guy. So uh, so it started there. For me, uh, I think that being that I, I'm involved in things, I always think about as a music educator, what is it that I could share? What is it that I can share to students to prepare them to function in the workplace? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily always mean on a gig with your instrument. Functioning in the workplace could also mean functioning in communication with whom you're working with, Mm -hmm. whether it be a label, Mm -hmm. an artist, a producer, an engineer, uh, or vocalist, or whatever it may be. So, um, so that's where I, that's where the inspiration comes from. I always approach it this way, especially with ensemble. What would I do, or what would I expect on a gig if I were hiring the band, mm-hmm. if I were arranging the show? And so I take that concept into the classroom. In the whole. Um in my perspective and on my side of it, it was more so from, okay, you're coming here to Berkeley or you're coming, whatever it is, and you had these dreams. Um, So from your dream and getting to your dream, there's a journey and there's a process in between. How are you going to accomplish that? And I remember being 14 years old when I decided to say, okay, this is the career that I want to, career path that I want to choose. Um, I was advised to sit down and write out a five-year plan. So from 14 to 19, what are you going to accomplish? And what is your desire? What are your goals? And how are you going to get there? That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) And and I sat there and it kind of freaked me out at first. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know. But thinking about that and taking that into consideration, I saw, I began, as I began to work at it, I saw what I needed to work on. I saw the artists that I needed to study, the music and the the, the technology aspect. Like I needed to study the engineering side of it. Um, I needed to understand EQs and compression. I needed to understand the tools that I needed to get me to goal and point A and then to point B and to and then whatever it was to be in that position where I was able to have a, a label call me and cut the vocals and this in the back. I didn't know how to do that at 14. And a lot of these students, they come in not knowing how to be versatile. They don't know what that means. They come in a lot of times one dimensionally. I'm going to be a famous artist or I want to play guitar. And 
I'm going to say, and, but what does that mean? What's your plan? And so when we were talking about how we're going to educate our students and even in our classroom, a lot of times it's based around what's your plan and how can you develop the tools that you need to take step by step in order to achieve that goal. So it's really you're incorporating these life lessons into your classroom Absolutely. work. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's also a roadshow component, so to speak. I saw you at the City Music right. Summit educating right. other educators. <laughs> right. right. We've put together um, and we're, we've pulled together programming to teach pro other programs and just give them a glimpse into what it is that we're sharing with our students. and Yeah, and how to facilitate, uh, you know, thereof. You know, so what happens is uh, it's one, there's one perspective or one phase of it that's, you know, educating students. But then there's another phase as to understanding from the perspective of the teacher, mm-hmm. how do you educate the student? in this way right so the so two phases educating the student then also um partnering with the teachers within these programs to help understand how to get the students from one point to the next to the next and so on the flip side how receptive have students been to these concepts they may come in and say i want to study mp and e i want to study music therapy and they're so focused which is a great thing, but how do you open up their minds to make them understand that in order to be ready for life after Berkeley? Well, it's, it's a hit or miss, miss sometimes <laughs> because, you know, um, as much as we want to be able to let students know that this is how it really happens, like, you know, even though you're here for MPE, you might realize that your interest in MPE might not be to sit behind the board exactly. and record li- live instruments. It might be that initial interest might just spark something to you to run live sound. Exactly. Or it could be something like, well, I didn't say exactly. I thought sitting behind that desk when I was 13 was strictly going to be for production in the studio. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize honing those skills would actually help me to become a better musical director mm-hmm. or arranger. Because at that point, I didn't really realize, didn't even know what arranging was. Hmm. I had never composed anything with a pen and paper and mm-hmm. staff paper at that point. Right. I didn't even know how to read music at that point. <laughs> and so, so you see what I'm saying? So one, one tier of interest can lead to the next if you're open-minded. Mm-hmm. So that is a two-way street. The students have to also be interested enough in their own lives and in their own careers and their own education to be able to be open to understand okay even if i don't understand i'm going to learn this what you're telling me or uh come in like an open book and i feel like a lot of my students some of them they haven't some of them are like seventh semester and they haven't picked up their instrument because they've been in music business they haven't picked it up and whatever so they need this ensemble to fill their last credit but i always try to hone in on what they're passionate about and why they fell in love with music in the first place. What made you want to be a musician? You don't have to be the next Stevie Wonder or anything right now, but what is it that made you passionate? And that's where I want to pull from. And because of that, I can connect with them on that level. And then it, it reignites their desire to look at their instrument and play it again and, or use their voice and sing again and study, restudy what they've, 
haven't studied in the past six semesters. To go back to city music, I know that you worked with city music students on a project that incorporates this philosophy. Right. Um, you sent me a clip, and I'd like to play that clip. Could you set that up for me? Absolutely. So last summer, um, we um, teamed up and did a city music R&B, pop R&B class. And before the summer program started, it's a five-week summer program. So before the summer program started, we sat down and talked about what we wanted the goal to be, the end result. And um, we said it would be great to have a message associated with the music that they don't just play songs to play them, but have an understanding of how to develop a full eight-minute show in set, but in that, that there is a, a consistent concept and message. And so these students, it was all on self-empowerment. We had a Maya Angelou poem being read and um, different clips, everything on, on um, um, what's it called? Self, self-esteem. self-esteem. Exactly. And it was kind of uh, rewarding to see that a lot of the kids, if not all of them, got it. Cool. Exactly. Because it was through it was through the music that we did it. Can know? I play the clip? Absolutely. And then... We'll, and then Talk about it. Here we go. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the hope and the dream of the city. So She didn't just give us songs to sing, she actually showed us how to emote what we're singing about and how to move when we're singing. It was something that was enlightening for me and the other musicians as well. The most valuable lesson I learned, as Alonzo said, is called soul surgery. It's been an amazing experience. I don't even have a whip. I learned the importance of presentation and that it doesn't matter how good you sound as a musician if you don't present it well. Sounds like they really got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was even the, the testimonials to see how quickly they responded because they understood and they related to the message. And that's our goal. Every time we enter a classroom, can we relate to you? And I feel like students learn more when they have people that are working with them and that can relate with them where they are and then help them grow and help them get to that next level, not just give them a whole bunch of rules and say, okay, do this, do this, because this is how I learn and this is what you need to do. Um, and just on, in addition to that, um, like one of the students said, they it was about the presentation too. So um, we had video behind it. They had um, choreography. The band played with tracks. They all had um, in-ear monitors. So we incorporated the tools of technology in a live professional world and introduced it to them. They didn't get everything in those five weeks but it was an introduction to spark their interest if you both had to name one thing if your students were to get out of what you're teaching based on this philosophy that you need to be flexible you need to be ready you need to be prepared what do you hope that would be you said all the words (laughs) Um, so that (laughs) no i think it will preparation is definitely it but just like we're forever learning, they need to be forever learning and not just learn one thing, learn everything and be open to learning all they can learn. Okay, great. Thank you both so much for being here today. 
Thank um, you I, for having us. Thank you. Sure thing. This episode was engineered by Stephen Shaw in partnership with The Burn. I'm Leslie O'Connell for Inside Berkeley. Inside Berkeley.